The call is live. Please go ahead. All right. Uh, thank you, operator. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, pardon me. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for uh, dialing in this evening. Uh, so, in just a moment, we'll have Alberta's chief, Alberta's pardon me, chief firearms officer Terry Bryant uh, speak about the federal government's proposed changes to firearms legislation that was obviously announced today. Uh, Ms. Bryant will uh, speak for a few minutes, and then we have a couple of minutes for questions. And it'll be one question, one follow-up, like normal. Uh, so with that, uh, I'll turn it over to uh, our Alberta's Chief Firearms Officer for a few brief remarks. Over to you, Terry. Okay, thank you very much, Dan, uh, and welcome, everyone. Um, so this is a very large package that was announced today, um, you know, part well, well late into the day. And so we're going to need some time to go through all of the details to look at uh, every aspect of this because there's quite a lot of far-reaching changes to procedures and things like that. Uh, so what I can uh, perhaps comment on uh, at this point is uh, the big headline items. And uh, I think there are uh, really three headline items that the federal government has uh, proposed. And then I will... Um, comment on what I think the real story is, um, because I think those three uh, items missed the mark. So the first thing is uh, what they have referred to as uh, a freeze on uh, handgun purchases, sales, imports, transfers. Um, and this will affect, uh, there are approximately a million handguns uh, in Canada registered to legally vetted uh, law-abiding owners. And so obviously this is going to be an enormous intrusion into their lives. People are really only allowed to own these things uh, for the most part for sporting purposes. And uh, for many people, this is a, a, a major part of their life. People toss this off uh, lightly as, well, oh, it's just a hobby. It's not just a hobby. This is a community that has a whole uh, way of life. I mean, people with their active uh, for example, in um, cowboy action shooting, you know, they, every weekend they will be going to an event somewhere, dressing up, that's where all their friends are. So this is going to be devastating to those people. In addition, the common theme that is shared by the other two major headline items uh, is that it's an enormous intrusion uh, into Albertans' property rights uh, because if these things can no longer be bought and sold, uh, First of all, that, of course, uh, renders them valueless. And uh, then it seems that this is the preparation for, you know, possibly somewhere down the road, some kind of uh, additional ban. I'm not sure how, how it would work if people were just allowed to own them and never uh, nothing else was going to happen. But uh, for now, it's a, a handgun freeze, which will, once that comes into effect, mean that people can't buy or sell property they may have invested a vast amount of money in. I know people who have hundreds of thousands of dollars invested. So a second point is the uh, so-called uh, confiscation and uh, compensation of uh, modern sporting firearms that was previously announced through an order in council. Um, this, of course, also affects a large number of people, has frozen their property in place, Tellingly, there appears to have been no signs of uh, impact on uh, public safety as a result of this. And so um, uh, here again, we see a big intrusion into people's 
private lives into their choices of what they need for their the sports that they've chosen to participate in with no um, no compensating uh, public safety gain. And the third thing is the area of magazines uh, where we haven't seen the details uh, on how they in intend to make this work. But this could get very, very complicated and expose a lot of people to, uh, to uh, uh, needless concern uh, when they talk about uh, how permanent modifications are and things like that. It could also, these modifications could also have significant safety impacts. So all three of these key headline items, the handgun issue, the modern sporting firearms, and the magazines, share the common aspect of targeting law-abiding owners and their property, uh, infringing on their property rights, intruding into their lives, and uh, will likely have no compensating safety gain whatsoever. Uh, the other uh, thing, though, that is particularly disappointing to me is the missed opportunity here, because they're talking about spending a lot of money on some of these things uh, and in intruding a lot into people's lives. The missed opportunity is that, you know, you're, you're destroying people's confidence in the system. And if you really want to have a viable system, you need to have people have confidence in it. And when the federal government comes out with measures like this, it, it destroys confidence. It's also a huge missed opportunity in the sense that uh, there are many things where a small expenditure of money would pay big dividends, for example, hiring more firearms officers in the chief firearms offices across the country to ensure uh, prompt and thorough vetting. And we've seen nothing in this package of measures about that. So I consider this to be missing the mark. Uh, it's going to do a lot of damage to a lot of people with very little, if any, public safety benefit and uh, a huge missed opportunity to build confidence in the community and spend money on things where a small amount of money could take a large payoff. So at that, uh, that's my introductory comments, and uh, I welcome any questions. Great. Uh, thank you very much, Ms. Ryan. Reporter, pardon me, operator, may please put through the first reporter. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. As a reminder, press star one to queue for questions. The first question is from Hiba Kamal, City TV. Our city news. Um, hi, thanks for taking my question. Uh, so, um, uh, just a quick question. City News uh, today spoke to a trauma surgeon here, and uh, basically he said that doctors see a lot of gun violence in cases, including suicide attempts. He also said so many cases of death are a result of suicide. I'd just like to hear um, the chief's comment on that, if possible. Yes. So thank you for your question. Uh, suicide is, in fact, one of the uh, key areas that we uh, target. And so um, uh, our, our goal in the Chief Firearms Office, uh, where we deal primarily with licensing, uh, is to ensure that the people that uh, are able to legally acquire firearms uh, are suitable to do so, that they are law-abiding, mentally sound, and so on. And um, we have uh, a number of, of uh, procedures to ensure that people are, in fact, mentally sound. Um, and one, one of those uh, things is that we, um, in, if there's any doubt about somebody's mental competence, is that we interview them. And uh, the whole foundation of our approach 
is to ensure that we have people, our uh, officers that are doing those kind of interviews and asking these questions, uh, have the very best training possible to identify warning signs. And it's that people-based approach to ensuring that only the most suitable individuals are able to get licenses and therefore firearms that I think is the best way of approaching this question. Great, thank you. Uh, do you have a follow-up question? I think I'm good, thank you so much. All right, thank you. And uh, operator, are there any other uh, reporters on the line? In the queue? Uh, there are no other questions in the queue at this moment. All right, I guess with that, um, uh, thank you all very much for your time this evening. Uh, thank you very I mean, much. We uh, have had uh, additional cues. Okay. All right. Uh, please put the first one through. Thank you. Thank you. Jade Marcus, CBC. Hi there. Uh, thanks for taking my question. I'm just wondering, did you think Canada's gun laws before this change or before this was tabled were adequate and that no change was needed? Or are you just unhappy with, or do you feel like what was tabled missed the mark? Well, I would say that it missed the mark because the changes that are needed, uh, for the most part, actually are not changes in legislation. There, are, uh, minor, there might be some minor changes in legislation uh, in a few highly technical areas, but overall our system uh, of uh, screening of the individuals is really, uh, to my mind, the, the sort of crown jewel of the system. And that crown jewel, I think, has been allowed to be tarnished by underfunding by the federal government for years. Uh, I've talked to chief firearms officers across the country, and all of them have been crying for more officers, all the ones I've spoken to, okay, uh, have been crying for more funding uh, for more firearms officers for years. And so if we were to properly fund those offices, uh, boots on the ground where the, uh, we have people uh, dealing with firearms owners and making sure that uh, they are uh, only the most suitable candidates uh, attain, uh, are able to obtain firearms, uh, that's where we would really get some value. All right. Uh, thank you. Uh, next uh, follow-up question. Yeah, sorry if I missed it in that. I'm just, so do, do you think that, uh, maybe a little simpler, because, uh, do you think Canada's handgun laws before this change were adequate? Well, it's already very difficult in Canada to get a, a handgun. So uh, on top of the regular uh, possession and acquisition license, you need to do additional training uh, in order to um, obtain a, a restricted possession and acquisition license. And then every individual transfer uh, is vetted. So in the sense that uh, one has to demonstrate uh, to the satisfaction of a firearms officer that one is acquiring that firearm for the purposes that one has stated, which in almost all cases will be uh, sporting use uh, for target practice and so on. So um, in, in essence, we already have laws that uh, I think were uh, very strict uh, on this score and uh, adding a, a freeze that basically renders people's property valueless and uh, is a huge intrusion into their lives and their property rights is um, not going to yield any public safety benefit. Great, thank you. Operator, please put the next question through. Thank you, Rob Drinkwater, Canadian Press. 
Hi. Uh, yes, you talked about the impact to the sports community. Um, now, I haven't read through the details of this, but isn't there an exemption granted to the sporting community in this proposed legislation? Uh, there is a uh, very slim um, uh, possible exemption for what are referred to as high-level sporting com competitors. And so uh, it's not clear to me how exactly one is supposed to uh, become a high-level sporting competitor uh, if one uh, has, isn't already there. So essentially this would result if, if it uh, is pursued in the way that it appears to be written uh, would eventually result in, in um, phasing out these sports because you know, if you can only acquire the necessary tools, if you're a high-level competitor already, uh, that's going to make it very difficult uh, for these sports to continue. All right, great. Rob, do you have a follow-up? No, I'm good. Thanks very much. Okay, great. Thank you. Operator, please put through the last reporter, please. Thank you. Lisa Johnson, Edmonton Journal. Hi, thanks so much for, for making yourself available and for taking my question. I'm wondering if you can comment specifically on the parts of the bill that deal with smuggling and trafficking. I know that this was a, a concern for a lot of uh, communities and, and advocates who, who argued that, you know, restricting illegal or sorry, restricting legal gun owners would not have an effect on illegal uh, the illegal market. So I'm wondering if you can comment on that. Do you think that it would make any difference? Do you see any benefits there? Or, or what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, obviously, smuggling and illegal firearms trafficking is uh, a very key concern. It's a concern particularly of the firearms community because they don't want their good name besmirched by people who are, um, you know, um, providing firearms to uh, the illegal market because uh, the average person may not be able to distinguish that well. They just see, oh, well, a gun was used in this uh, crime, so let's get rid of them all. Um, so I think there there is uh, potential for there to be uh, some improvement, but what was really needed is not uh, actually so much changes in laws, changes in penalties and that sort of thing on that score. What was really needed is more staffing. Um, we need a lot more people at the border, and we need more people uh, in the firearms offices across the country, uh, offices like mine, and there's one in each of the other provinces and territories, um, in order to uh, assist police in tracking those things down. There is an information sharing provision in there, which uh, may be a useful thing, but we'll have to see exactly, uh, you know, the, the text is quite complicated there, and I'd have to uh, look at exactly uh, how the uh, changes are worded and how they interact with the existing legislation to be able to, um, uh, to comment exactly as to whether there will be any utility to that. But the most important thing is more boots on the ground. Uh, and uh, I've, seen, uh, I've seen this measure or this package of measures today uh, as a large amount of uh, highly symbolic um, signaling, uh, virtue signaling, and uh, very thin on uh, the things that are actually going to have an impact. 
because it's people that make the difference. We have a very hardworking, highly trained team here. There are many hardworking, highly trained people in offices across the country. They have a big burden of work to do. This bill is going to increase that workload, uh, and more people are needed in order to do this job properly because the one thing that all of us want, that I want, uh, that all of the people in my office, and I know the other offices across the country, and I think probably, you know, to be fair, that I, I think that the Prime Minister and, um, and the Minister of Public Safety would like to see uh, is better public safety. Uh, we may differ on how to achieve that, but I would like us to work together and build bridges uh, and not dig moats. And this type of uh, sensationalistic uh, legislation uh, may make uh, a few good headlines, uh, but it's not going to provide the detailed, uh, hard-edged work that needs to be done uh, if we are to ensure that there is public safety and that tragedies uh, don't happen. Uh, that's going to require a lot more than uh, a dramatic press conference. All right. Uh, thank you. Uh, we're pretty much out of time. Uh, Lisa, do you have a follow-up? Yeah, I'm wondering if you can get just a little bit more specific about what you would like to see. Um, you mentioned that this, you're, you're skeptical that this legislation will have a real tangible impact on public safety. So what would have an impact, impact on public safety and, and bringing down uh, the statistics on gun violence? What would you like to see instead? Well, uh, apart from, as I mentioned, uh, uh, an increase in funding to the chief firearms offices across the country, which is sorely needed, uh, there are a lot of uh, other issues that I would like to see uh, uh, pursued that I, I have not seen in this legislation, at least as I've reviewed it so far. One of those would be uh, much greater attention to the tracking uh, of people who have firearms prohibition orders against them. If you look at many of the shootings that have happened, gang shootings and, and other uh, sort of random shootings that have happened in uh, major cities, often these people already have uh, numerous firearms prohibition orders against them, and yet they still are able to go out and, and uh, track down uh, and obtain firearms. We need to be tracking these people and keeping a better tabs on them because uh, these are the really high-risk offenders. The problem with the, the, this package of measures is it targets the people who are at the lowest risk of offending and doesn't do anything about the people who are at the highest risk of offending. All right. Uh, thank you, Ms. Bryant. Um, with that, that is all the evening we have, uh, pardon me, all the time we have this evening. Thank you, everyone, for dialing in, and thank you again, uh, Terry, for your time. Have a nice evening, everyone. My pleasure. Thank you, everyone. Nate.